Welcome to All Access Network Podcast. So excited that you decided to join us. You will absolutely love and you're in for a treat for today's guest. Uh, we are on a mission to positively impact the world through sports and culture. We're a multimedia network, we're a YouTube channel, uh, a podcast, and we also have live shows. Uh, if you haven't followed us on YouTube, you can find us at uh, All Access Network. If you haven't followed us on Twitter, you can find us at All Access underscore net, uh, where we also do some of our live shows uh, along with Facebook at All Access Network. But so excited to have you with us today. Uh, we love for people to be able to write their story, uh, leave their mark, and create their legacy. We're on a mission. We appreciate you joining us. And again, please share, like, and subscribe uh, whenever you get a chance. And stay on this journey with us. It's going to be an awesome ride. I want to take time to acknowledge one of our partners, Rising Coaches. Every coach wants to rise in their career in one way or another. We're all looking for professional development, access to tools, and relationships that can help us grow and help us advance in our career. Rising Coaches provides just that. You can visit Rising Coaches at www.risingcoaches.com. Their memberships are just $10 a month and provides a genuine community to help you grow and advance in your career. Mama West Hoops Insider, we are back at it again. Episode number one, uh, season two. Can't wait to do this thing again, Eli. Here we are, Mama West. Got the snow in the background. It's going down. Yeah, absolutely. We've both gotten some snow and got plenty of hoops to talk about. You know, it's a fun league to discuss, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we're going to jump right in. So landscape and overall of the league is where we'll start. Kind of the landscape, what's going on. Uh, I'll give a quick shout-out, Richie Schuler. Uh, a broadcaster in college basketball, does great work. He sent a tweet out just the other day, and I'll read it. It says, the Mountain West has a uh, 689.689, so that would be almost 69% non-conference record with the team, uh, with every team having a 500 record or better. Uh, A remarkable feat for a non-Power 5 league. So, I'll start out with that and just say just a simple fact that teams are playing as well as they're playing and the competitive part of the top, the bottom, the middle, uh, you can't go wrong in this league right now. It's high level play. So then I'll pass it to Eli. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I think the way that this league performed in non-conference play it sets itself up for multiple bids in the NCAA tournament and we know about the likes of Colorado State, which rightfully received a lot of preseason hype with the stars that they have. San Diego State's always been consistently good. Then you have your second tier, maybe Boise State, Utah State, Fresno State, Wyoming's uh, come out of the gates. But I think you even have to talk about some of the teams that were not pegged very high in the preseason poll. And I think namely Air Force and New Mexico here because Air Force has gotten off to a great start. They started off seven and one, had a couple of nice wins uh, away from home. And this is not a team that we expected to do much of anything. And just recently beat a Utah state team that also has high major wins. So uh, air force has proven to be a team. That's a tough out. And then also San Jose state with the new head coach, Tim miles, very 
energetic guy. He's loved around the conference and, and around the nation. And he's stepped in and he's uh, made already made well on this Spartans team that's picked up some nice wins to be seven and five at SJSU, uh, a program that for a number of seasons wasn't even capable of having seven wins an entire year to win seven out of your first 12. That's a big deal. And I think just rising the the so-called bottom of the league, rising that up a little bit, helps the rest of the teams in the conference. And this is going to be a very competitive uh, conference slate. I don't think it's as obvious what the tiers look like, especially after San Diego State had their beat down this past Saturday against Colorado State. There are so many positions up for grabs, and I think it's really good for the Mountain West overall. Yeah, just kind of looking at the standings overall, um, just to kind of dive into specifics, you have San Diego State uh, at 10-3, and who's now sitting 2-0 and at the conference. Uh, Boise State's 10-4, and 1-0 in conference. Nevada, 7-5, and 1-0 in conference. Colorado State just picked up their first win, top 25 team in the country, 11-1. and They're 1-1 in conference. Utah State, 10 and 5, 1 and 1 in conference. Arizona, like you, I mean, excuse me, Air Force, as you just mentioned, 8 and 5. I don't remember the last time Arizona, I mean, Air Force was, I keep saying Arizona, excuse me, Air Force. Air Force was uh, above 500 going into conference play from coaching in that league, being around that league, following that league. Uh, it's been a long time. So uh, credit to them for that, 8 and 5, 1 and 1. Uh, Wyoming is, is probably one of the conversations as much as any. Started out much of the year undefeated, 11-2, and two, uh, yet to play a conference game. They just had their game against San Diego State canceled. Um, San Jose State 7-5, as you just mentioned. Fresno State 10-4, and four. UNLV 8-6 and six with their new staff. And New Mexico is now 7-8, uh, and eight, so they're the one team that's below 500. They're 0-2 to start conference play. But, man, you talk about some stacked uh, standings so far in the strength of schedule. Uh, let's jump in. Uh, to the top teams and who who are people sleeping on? So we'll talk about top teams first. Who are the top teams in this league? I think it has to be San Diego State and Colorado State. I think as it stands right now, those are pretty clear cut, the two best teams in the conference. And I think as of a week ago, it probably would have been CSU sitting by itself, given that the Rams were the ones with the with the top 25 label next to their name. But they went to Viejas, and we know what happens when a ranked team goes to Viejas. They, they typically lose, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, SCSU just put together a phenomenal defensive effort, uh, held CSU, I believe, below 50 points, which this is one of the best shooting teams in the entire nation. So to do that is is no joke whatsoever. And I think even though the Aztecs aren't quite where they were the past few years in terms of offensive firepower, I think given just how elite they are on the defensive end, being top five in a number of advanced metrics, including efficiency, that sets up this team to be competitive wherever they're playing or whoever they're playing. So it's going to be fun because not only are SCSU and CSU both very capable teams and can win a game or two in the tournament, but I think what makes, and we hope that their second game is a bit more competitive, at least from the viewer's perspective, but you're taking a Rams team that is so good on the offensive end and you're taking an Aztecs team that is so good on the defensive end mm. that it creates kind of an interesting dynamic at the top. And round one went to the defensive team and we'll see what round two looks like back in Fort Collins. But uh, these are two very capable teams that have put together uh, pretty good looking resumes and now both have some quality wins next to their name. 
Yeah, who are you? Uh, who are you saying would be third if you had to say one outside of that? Is there a third, or is it kind of that next tier as you've talked about before? You could probably go with at least three or four teams in that third position. I think Boise State, Wyoming, maybe Utah State, and probably Nevada are all in the running there. Assuming I didn't forget anyone. I think you could probably pick any of them, just given how they're playing on a on a particular night. I think Boise State's been better than I expected. I thought the Broncos would struggle a little bit, but uh, they've had some guys really step up and, and break out. Nevada has recovered after a really dreadful start. Uh, they've bounced back quite a bit, and they're playing better basketball. Wyoming's been a huge surprise. Um, they're great offensively. Graham E.K. is a dominant interior mm-hmm. force, and uh, you know can't sleep on Fresno State either. That's a very physical, athletic team. So I think you've got your top two, and they're probably going to lose a few games that second tier. But that that second tier, they're they're going to be able to beat Colorado State at home. They're going to be able to beat San Diego State at home. And uh, there's going to be a lot of parity in in that little that middle range right there. Yeah, just for context, even I mean, um, San Jose State has really struggled to have, like you said, winning records. Uh, winning games, period, especially in conference play. We talked about Chicago State earlier on another show. Uh, San Jose State has been very similar. So the fact that they're competitive and can win games now, uh, that won't be an easy out. Uh, Air Force, the way they're competing, that won't be an easy out. And New Mexico was really one of the worst teams in the league last year, has a new staff uh, that with Coach Patino. That also won't be an easy out. And then, of course, another new staff, UNLV, so those games will be challenging. I think that's probably that uh, unknown tier, but it seems like the middle tier, like you said, is kind of the teams that maybe people are sleeping on, the Wyomings, uh, the Fresno States, uh, who maybe hasn't gotten as much buzz. Uh, and then you throw in Utah State. Their their staff has changed, but 10-5 and five and playing really well. They play Colorado State tomorrow. That'll be a great one uh, in Fort Collins. Uh, and then Nevada made some changes early in the year, had to – maybe do some addition by subtraction. So they're, uh, they're going to be, uh, they played really well and finished really well last year and have a good amount of returns back. And then Boise kind of one of those teams, no one's really talking, talking about, uh, I'd say that's one team that people are sleeping on. They won now, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven in a row. Uh, they're playing some really good basketball uh, at a high level. And uh, yeah, I just think maybe Boise, not being projected to be at the top allows them to kind of fly below the radar, Coach Leon Rice. So I would say that's probably one that people are sleeping on. I'll let you pick one team, any team. I know we obviously have some guys we uh, have interviewed on the show for this week. San, San Diego State goes without being said. They had the hugest win of the of the week, uh, beating Colorado State, the ranked opponent. Uh, we talked to Coach J.D. Luster, so we'll give them their shout-out by uh, allowing you to watch that interview. Uh, but what what would be one one team for you, and I'll I'll steal one as well that you'd like to shout out. Yeah, I think uh, I I started the year with Fresno State as my dark horse, and I think that 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 hasn't changed. But I I do think the highlight for me so far goes to Wyoming, and I think the expectations really started to uh, maybe decline a little bit with the loss of Marcus Williams in the spring. He transferred over to Texas A and M, and that felt kind of like the wind was getting out of the sails a little bit for the Wyoming program after a, a pretty solid start to the Jeff Linder era. But this team has rebounded in, in a massive way, and they've got a lot of size one through five. Um, 
they can shoot the ball really well and they can put up points. They take care of the basketball, but I'm stunned at how much this team has improved defensively and they could put up a ton of points last year, but they were one of the 50 worst defensive teams in the entire nation. That's not embellishing. That's what the statistics will tell you. And, and they're now one of the top 120, 150 teams in terms of adjusted defensive efficiency in the entire nation. And they have capable perimeter shooters, and they combine that with Graham E.K., who I've had my eyes on quite a bit. He strikes me as this, this next line. You have your, your era of Namias Keita, and you have Nathan Mensah. Well, well Graham E.K. kind of feels like the next guy in line in terms of dominant bigs in this conference. And he can give you 20 and 10 every single night. You know, I'm a, a University of Washington grad. He came up to Seattle and did his thing uh, and, and beat the Huskies up here. So... Uh, this is a capable team. I'm curious to see what it looks like once we get going in, non- in uh, conference play because that's a different animal. But uh, to take a leap of almost 200 spots in terms of defensive efficiency, that that is a big deal, especially after losing your best players. So Wyoming's looking like a pretty scary team right now. Yeah, and I think some people would argue that uh, maybe he wasn't their best player, but their most talented player. Mm-hmm. Uh, the inside of the staff would probably say that, but. That being said, I think you're right. Uh, people thought Marcus Williams leaving was going to be this. Uh, oh my gosh, Wyoming's taking all these steps back. But uh, I think they have a. This is a Jeff Linder team now. Although Marcus Williams is an individual talent, uh, I think this team represents what coach is much more about. You talked about the defensive improvement. Uh, they're now 16 in the country in effective field goal percentage defense, which is unheard of from the jumps that they made, and they're also in the top 40. Uh, and their defensive uh, free throw to field goal uh, attempts. So they're definitely making some major strides defensively. One of the best three-point shooting defensive teams, also their top 15. So give them credit for making those huge strides uh, defensively. Graham E.K., who you mentioned, Hunter Maldonado, Maldonado. It feels like he's been there for – I mean, it feels like if David Roddy and Isaiah Stevens, if they're to come back, which everyone projects them to, it's going to feel like the same thing. Like these guys have been there forever. Uh, and Hunter Maldonado, I think he was there. He was a freshman when I was coaching the league at Fresno state. That's how far he goes back, but what a versatile player now kind of playing as a point forward and putting the ball in his hands more to make plays. Uh, I saw them practice before the year started and thought uh, they're going to be even better than they were with Marcus Williams because uh, him having the ball in his hands and Graham EK making a huge jump. Um, one stat that's alarming, he leads the country in fouls drawn per 40 minutes, uh, something that people probably don't even know or talk about. But that is a huge stat because uh, he is such a presence inside. He's either scoring or getting fouled. And he changes how you uh, address the bonus. He changes how your bigs get in foul trouble. Uh, and he just opens up the floor for these guys that can really shoot the basketball. So uh, Jeff Leonard deserves a ton of credit for what they've done in his staff. Uh, so I, I definitely love uh, that particular shout out. Um, so many good teams. It's hard to really pick one. You, you, you kind of mentioned Fresno State uh, on the way in. Uh, we talked a little bit about Boise. Um, I'll jump to my former uh, place myself for Fresno State and Coach Hudson and talk a little bit about them. Uh, and you talk about a player making a jump who I plan on highlighting next um, in our player shout outs. But Man, Orlando Robinson is every bit uh, of an NBA player from what it looks like. I mean, he is—he tested the waters. He went through the process. He came back. 
And he's one of those young men that looks like he he gained a lot of value from that because the way that he's playing right now, night in and night out, um, he's already one of the better players in the league, but he may be one of the better bigs on the West Coast that no one's really talking about. Uh, seven foot, uh, 235, he's just a junior now, but he's another one of those guys that feels like he's been there forever. Uh, but he's doing it on both ends. He's blocking shots. Uh, he's also in the top 70 in fouls drawn. Uh, so he's demanding the double team. And, uh, you know, they've, they've picked up some good pieces uh, in the offseason. Uh, they get the Arizona transfer at the point when he's healthy. Uh, it's really helped them uh, play at a high level. And uh, they've gotten some good wins. Uh, Santa Clara was a big win early because Santa Clara was playing so well along with San Diego. Um, but they haven't really gotten that signature win yet. Weber State, another kind of mid-major win. They haven't gotten that signature win yet against a higher quality opponent. So I think that's the next step for Fresno State. Uh, Schedule-wise, they've taken care of business the way they're supposed to. Uh, just looking for them to take the next step uh, as they play uh, kind of a little more elite competition as we've talked about how good the Mountain West is. They were close against Cal, uh, played San Francisco close, played Utah to a five-point game, just haven't quite taken that next step. So I would say Fresno State – one to keep an eye on uh, as they continue to be healthy, how they do in conference play. Uh, yeah, we'll jump to player shout-outs now. Uh, I already started with Orlando Robinson and his play, uh, kind of what made me pick Fresno State just because he's such an elite player. We've talked about EK and Maldonado from Wyoming. Uh, let's pick a couple others to kind of show some love to within this league. Yeah, I would I'd go with uh, Justin Bean from Utah State. And it is crazy to think that Bean is a former walk-on from Oklahoma, a small town, and he's now one of the most productive players in the entire nation who, you know, weathered the storm of a coaching change that it can't be easy for any player, especially an upperclassman after having great years alongside Sam Maryland and Amias Keda, but he's stuck with it. He's got new players, new coaches around him, and he has never played this well. And I think what is really crazy to see with his game is how much better he's gotten shooting the basketball. And he was a, for all the things that he does well, he was a complete non-threat in terms of shooting outside of 10 or 15 feet, his first handful of years in college. And now he's shooting the three ball. Well, I mean, he's, I mean, he's a good stretch forward at this point and he gets after it, hustles on the boards. He brings all the things that you need out of your player. And uh, he's been really impressive. And then, I think in addition to being, I think another guy who deserves a shout out is Omari Moore from San Jose State. And it's not often you talk about uh, all league type players at San Jose State. I know Brandon Clark is probably uh, right. uh, the, the anomaly there, but uh, Omari Moore is a special talent and he is so athletic. He's hit some big shots. San Jose State's had several games come down to the wire. I think they've won two games this year at the buzzer and Omari Moore has played a role in that, and he's taken on a, a leadership role with this team, and San Jose State isn't the program that they have been in recent years. They're going to be able to beat some top-half teams in this league. It's a credit to Tim Miles and his staff, but also Omari Moore sticking with it, and we've and we talked about this in the past, too, with this team. I think San Jose State, as a program, is capable of getting better and improving this league, if they have more roster continuity and you have to give Omari Moore a lot of credit for sticking with it now in, in year three, I believe with San Jose state, he 
probably could have transferred, gone to a Pac-12 school if they wanted to, gone to a WCC school if they wanted to, but uh, he's seeing this through and he's having a really productive year for a team that's probably going to surprise in this conference a little bit. Yeah, I wanted to go back to uh, Justin Bean. He's one of the one of the only two players to average over twenty points a game and shoot sixty uh, percent from the field, which is unbelievable. I saw him play against in person against BYU, and his level of efficiency and just ability to score right now is on another level. So um, Utah State kind of always finds a way to hang around and hang towards the top and. Right when you think they they may make a shift and they may not be there anymore, be in that conversation, still right there. So um, yeah, credit to credit to him and their new staff for for making that jump with them. I'm gonna go uh, player shout out. You know, I always gotta give my Texas guys love. Uh, Grant Sherfield, uh, as good as any player in this conference. Yeah, he's uh, number 18 in the country. His assist rate, which I think everybody always knew he was a scorer. But to be able to have that kind of assist rate uh, at this point in time, uh, got to give him tremendous credit for making that jump uh, to really being a guy who's making plays uh, for his teammates. And, uh, yeah, I'm just a big fan as a Dallas kid, um, a player that was at Wichita State early in his career and now is uh, leading the way for Nevada and just doing a tremendous job. So. Uh, look forward to continuing to watch him and see what he does uh, to lead this team. Obviously, have a really talented backcourt uh, in general, um, but uh, with him and Desmond Cambridge. But, yeah, definitely want to give shout-out to Grant Sherfield and what he's going to do and making the next step of just not being a, a guy who predominantly scores but also can uh, assist and make plays. And then I'll give the New, New, New Mexico tandem, the new tandem in New Mexico. I know they lost an OT to Utah State. Uh, they have played well. Jalen House and uh, Jamal Mashburn, uh, give them their credit, man. They, they, they're new guys that have come in with new blood uh, as transfers, and uh, they look to be in any given game good enough where they can lead this team to victory. Uh, they are at the bottom of the standings right now at 0-2, but I think those two players deserve some credit, and I think they're going to figure it out as it keeps going. I mean, as you talked about, so many opportunities – uh, this COVID is so weird again. It's not been to play so many games, but I got to give those two guys some love. And um, they're the reason why they've won, in my opinion, the seven games that they have won and could have went either way the other day against Utah State. And uh, I think those two guys will continue to continue to get better and play well as the season goes on. Yeah, I, I mean, I love the I love the house pick, too, because. I think we talk about kind of the tiers in Mountain West, and if New Mexico is one of the teams that's in the bottom tier and they have Jalen House running the point and his capability, and they also have Jamal Mashburn, his high-level pedigree, and then put them in one of the toughest places to play in the country, whether they're winning or losing, the pit's going to be right. wild. And if that's supposed to be a game that you need to win if you're Colorado State or San Diego State, and you have to go up against – all of that, that, that is not that is not an easy win, even if it's against your so-called number eight, number nine team in the league. That's that's a tough situation. So that's a credit to what this league looks like right now. I agree. Uh, any freshman that we should give shout out to? I know last year we had it was always conversation about Williams because he was the elite freshman in the league. Um, there may not be that guy per se in the league, but uh, is there anyone uh, that stands out to you so far as a freshman that you just like to give shout out to? Yeah, I think one of the guys who hasn't uh, received a ton of hype 
quite yet is Tyson Dagenhart from Boise State. And he stepped in as a freshman and not really hugely, uh, you know, I guess publicized in terms of recruiting databases and what have you. But Boise State, we've seen this time and time again now. They don't really care about that. And they've had so many players who have stepped on campus with no NBA pedigree whatsoever and have turned out to be exactly that. Like Chandler Hutchison, obviously he was a three-star, right. but he wasn't seen as a as an NBA role player. James Webb, uh, Derek Alston, all these kinds of guys have gone through the program. Boise State does such a great job with their development, and Tyson Dagenhart is probably going to be this type of player that we think about when we think of guys like Justinian Jessup or Hunter Maldonado or some of these four-year guys who have been in the league and can do a lot from the wing position. And I think uh, with Boise State, they've got a lot of size. They've got a lot of talent. They defend exceptionally well. And I think Dagenhart slides, in, slides into a pretty good role here in year one. And as other players go, move on, graduate, he's going to see his role increase, and he's going to be one of these top guys in the league once he's a, once he's a junior or a senior. I can definitely envision him being an all-league type player once it's said and done. Yeah, I love that uh, pick, and I want to give a player shout-out. This is a completely biased but yet earned uh I was fortunate to sign this young man back in the day when I coached at UTEP. Um, Coach Leonard did a good job recruiting him to Northern Colorado. He chose us at UTEP. Uh, I ended up leaving. I'm no longer at UTEP. He signs at Utah, uh, is there. He red shirts, then transfers, gets a COVID year. Uh, so he's three years out of school, but he's still a freshman, and that's Brendan Wenzel uh, at Wyoming. Uh, just give him credit. He's playing a, a great role. He's playing good minutes off the bench. Uh, he's already had double figures twice against Utah Valley. He had 12. Uh, McNeese, he had 11. And then uh, had a huge win against Grand Canyon, the team did, on the road uh, against a conference champion of the WAC and a preseason conference champion. He had eight points in that game. And then uh, Northern Iowa, he had uh, nine points in that game. So just being able to contribute, finding a way to get on the floor. Uh, obviously, the talent's there. That's why he signed it was a part of the team at Utah, but for him to be an older freshman and have a chance to just play a role and significantly help with his ability to stretch the floor, I uh, wanted to give him his shout-out because he's earned it. Uh, and I think he has a crazy Kim Palm stat, if I'm not mistaken. I have to have to pull him up. I think he's uh, number five in the country in turnover rate. I don't exactly know what that means. Yeah, I guess takes care of the basketball, yeah. He's never turning it over. I do know what that means. I'm joking. But <laughs> to his credit, <laughs> yeah. he is uh, – he is, he is in the top five in the country on that, and I think he's um, – yeah, so I got to give him credit on that. And then, uh, yeah, we'll end the show and just talk about uh, some of the upcoming matchups that are coming up uh, that we can keep an eye on. We talked about Utah State going to Colorado State. Obviously, Colorado State will uh, be much better at home and just much better from being able to play again and – uh, probably just getting that first loss out of the way, to be honest. You know, they're still going to be a top 25 team. They're still going to prove that throughout the season and show people where they are. But just getting that first loss out of the way probably helps them more than anything and just now be able to go out there and just just hoop. So um, I'll let uh, Eli kind of pick a game or two and I'll throw a game or two out there and then we'll see you guys next week. Yeah, I think that I think that's a good point. And also – just keeping with CSU for a second, 
if your first loss of the season is at Viejas, I think that kind of it gets excused a little bit. It's not going to hurt them come Selection Sunday. It's not going to change anyone's thought about where this team stands as far as where the league goes. Uh, I think while Nevada was under Eric Musselman's lead, I don't think Nevada beat San Diego State in VA House once. And given how dominant they were, it's just – it happens. Like it's, it's college basketball. It's going to happen. It's a tough place. I think as far as upcoming games, Wyoming has a really big stretch uh, coming up. On Saturday, they take on Utah State and Logan. That's going to be a tough one. And then they follow that up. Uh, they go to Reno and take on Nevada on Monday. So this is a this is a pretty big two game swing for Wyoming to get things started. And this these are the first conference games. And if Wyoming wants to legitimize themselves as that maybe number three, number four team in the league, oh, this is a really great place for Wyoming to start. So uh, they hope in their case that the defense travels and that the shooting doesn't uh, slide a little bit. And they've certainly got some capable opponents uh, in both Utah State and Nevada. So this is a really big two-game swing uh, for this program that can go a variety of different ways. Yeah, and I'll kind of jump with two more games and just say uh, <coughs> this game um, for we'll, – we'll I'll probably go next with UNLV and, and New Mexico, uh, just kind of two teams that are fighting to get that first conference win. Uh, there's a game at uh, UNLV next Tuesday. So that that definitely is one to keep an eye on. Um, and then there's another one with Boise and Nevada. Uh, I think just two teams that are kind of in that next tier you talked about, um, being able to play. Uh, it's I believe it's at Nevada, if I'm not mistaken. But, uh, yeah, it's at Nevada. So Boise going on the road. They've won seven in a row uh, going against Nevada. I, I kind of will pick out those couple games outside of the ones we already mentioned. And, um, yeah, man, we're just excited to be back talking about Mountain West hoops, excited to be uh, on the inside and have some guests. We we had uh, J.D. Luster joined us. Uh, we may have one more guest join us this week, but uh, next week we may even throw out some awards. It may start getting even more fun, but please stay tuned. Looking forward to covering the Mountain West. Love this league. Uh, last year, I think at the very end, it was four people in the conversation to go to the tournament. Two ended up making it, um, and I believe two went to the NIT. But uh, this league is maybe not four at the moment, but it's definitely in that two-three conversation. Uh, so we look forward to covering it week in and week out. And uh, I got the expert. There's no one better that knows this stuff than, than my man Eli. So uh, with that being said, oh, wait a minute. Funny story time? Is it funny story you time? Funny story? You, funny <laughs> you story? got one? You got? Okay, next week. Okay, next week. Build up more I need a I need a barbershop story now that I know that you you got the fresh cuts over there. So ah barbershop story. Okay, <laughs> we can do that. We can do that. All so right. uh that being said, thanks for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next week. Be safe out there, be great at it, and uh yeah, keep spreading love. We need more love out there. Oh, last thing, Mountain West. Uh hopefully we can get all the teams to participate in the rising coaches equality and inclusion night. February 10th through the 22nd. You'll hear me talk about it over and over again, but we'll keep promoting it. Uh, just want to keep spreading good out here in this world and keep spotlighting it through college basketball. So that being said, see you guys next week. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the All Access Network. Be sure to follow, share, and stay connected with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Subscribe and hit that notification bell on our YouTube channel. And don't forget to write your story, leave your mark, 
and create your legacy.